I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everyone. Welcome to <laughs> Off the Post. <laughs> Once again, I'm joined by Mike Murphy, and I'm Tom Merch Jr. This is where you submit questions, and we answer them to the best of our abilities. Um, so, the first question, and I'll let Mike answer this one, because I now think before, he'll... before, we have to do... We got a patron question first, buddy. Oh, we do. Well, excuse... That was my uh, my error, and I will let... Uh, yeah, you fucked everything up, Tom. <laughs> I guess we should stop recording, then, and we'll no, start over. It. No, keep it. Fuck it, we'll do it live. We'll do it fucking live. From Tall Guy Rob, hello, Mike and Tom. What's the early assessment on the 2021 draft talent? Is this something the Rangers should be considering for the trade deadline, as there are only so many 2020 draft picks teams are able to part with? Many thanks. So it's something that you always want to keep an eye on, but there's not one player that really um, sticks out that's on my radar particularly um if yeah, there's been we... so much talk about lafreniere and uh and byfield that like i haven't really looked that far ahead i know i mean it, i guess it's worth mentioning the rangers already have an extra pick in 2021 right because the uh the vlad trade remember we talked about that with you know they have the extra fourth rounder and then also in 2021 we actually have the third rounder tom from the jimmy vc trade remember Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I only remember that just looking. I was like, oh, yeah, we had Jimmy Vesey, and then we traded him. Where has he been? Um, but, yeah, so the Rangers do have already, you know, two extra picks in the first four rounds. You know, obviously, I don't think a fourth-round pick is anything to get, uh, you know, excited about necessarily, but um, it's something. I, you know, generally speaking, I look at the, you know, picks in the first three rounds as, you know, having a better chance of being an impact, but... I think, you know, you have an amateur scouting department for a reason. Uh, and, like, truth be told, I just haven't had the time to look ahead to what, you know, the crop after this this upcoming crop looks like in terms of young talent. Some short answers is stay tuned uh, for, for more. It's a good question, though. That I think every general manager should be keeping that in mind, especially a team like the Rangers, where, you know, a lot's going to depend on whether or not they end up feeling like, hey, you know what? Maybe we can make it as a wildcard team. I don't think they should have that view. I think it's a healthy view to have in the locker room, but not in the general manager's office. Um, and uh, that will heavily influence what they do with this deadline. And if, if it's too hard to pry you know, first and second round picks from teams this year because of how hyped everyone is about this draft, then... You know, it's. I don't think there's any harm in saying, all right, well, you know, would you sooner give up, you know, let's say a third in 2021, you know, than you'd give up a third now? And, you know, what else can we get for it? You know, will you give us another late pick or something? 
So we'll have to see what happens. That is an interesting question, though. Something to keep in mind as we move forward, right, Tom? Yep. And now you, next... can ask, you can ask the next question after you ruin the show. Yeah, well, there's still time for the show. We're only three minutes and 45 seconds. I ruined seconds both in. the last week's show, so let's be real. No, let, st- shut up. Don't, don't say that. Don't That's... tell me to shut up. That you did not ruin the show. I was going to say is there's more opportunities. Everyone, for... just so everyone knows, I asked Tom if he would have sex with a Ninja Turtle, and he wouldn't give me an answer, and that's why things are very awkward right now. Well, I wouldn't. I didn't decline to answer. I said no, and you said I was close-minded. And I, I don't I think know. You are close-minded. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. <laughs> When will Joe guess the pod? Hashtag bannering points. Who is this Joe? And uh, Who is this yeah. Joe and why is he a Joe? And can we not Joe? I don't know. He's very busy. Apparently, child rearing is a lot of work. I say this a lot. It's my running joke with him. But uh, yeah, he's been a busy boy. He has a new job. He got a promotion in his day job. And uh, he's got two two small Joes that are, you know... I'm sure they're at best wearing Velcro shoes right now. When do you make the changeover from Velcro to, to laces? What is that, like f- four, three? It depends. It always uh, depends, right? It depends yeah. on the kid and the family. Like the dexterity and things of that nature and how apt they are to, like, you know, tying knots and, you know, are well, they in a knot? Is, is, is are laces just strictly superior to Velcro? I mean, I love. I would love just to be get away with Velcro because literally just slip in, That's slip what I'm out. Thinking. Why did? Why does Velcro go out of fashion? I mean, I have shoes that are slip on. Um, that it's like leather, and you know, you sort of step into them. Yeah, yeah. I love those. Like almost like a penny loafer, but I also have dress shoes that are like that, where they have a they have a stretchy thing around the uh, mm-hmm. where right. you call like the mouth of the the shoe where where your foot goes in. Mm-hmm. And then it's like a comfortable, you know, business casual sort of a shoe. I like those shoes. They're cozy. To answer this question, uh, maybe Soon Groundhog enough. Day. Um, maybe he'll see his shadow. Maybe he'll come out of the hole and and he'll make himself known. Um, Tell you what, yeah. apparently he has plenty of time for Twitter. Why don't you ask him that on Twitter? Yeah, he has time for Twitter, but doesn't have time for, you know... Uh, for us friends. Yeah, I'm glad that person changed their... We're airing uh, grievances, you and I, Tom. This is a late Festivus. Next question from Jason Silberman. When it comes to scoring, Booch Nevich has clearly been unlucky at times with expected goal stats as proof. At what point, though... Can we fairly conclude that he's just not a good finisher? That 20 goals per season is his ceiling, even when he's playing with top line mates. Um, I would say it's an accurate statement that 20 goals a year is kind of his ceiling because A, he doesn't shoot the puck a lot, and B, he's always been more of a playmaker throughout his yeah, he's career. Yeah, so... If he tops out at 20 goals a year and he picks up a lot more assists, I think I'm good with that. Yeah, give um, me 20 goals, 35, 40 assists, Bucinevich, any day. Yeah, I mean, at this point, though, it's it seems like, you know what? I'm just making this realization now. So, 
he's playing on a line with Chris Kreider. And for the longest time, Chris Kreider could no- do nothing but hit fucking goalposts. So now, Buchnevich can't finish. So did he somehow transfer his inability to finish to Pavel Buchnevich? Almost like a, like an STI or an STD, but it's... What sort of, Tom, what sort of STD would you get from having sex with a Ninja Turtle? I don't know. I don't care to find out either. I think they would call it the ooze. Um, to answer the question at hand, here's my thing. Uh, I think you are a good finisher if you have 20 goals in a season. I think, you know, I feel like if, if the Rangers tried to strong arm Buchnevich into being more of a trigger man, I think he would score more because the skill is there. The thing is, like Tom said, he is a playmaker. He's a pass-first guy. He's a very creative player. He has good vision. He's definitely a high-skill player. So I I really hesitate to say that he's not a good finisher. I would say, you know, 20 goals is a very successful season for, you know, even like some second-line forwards and many second-line forwards, in fact. So... I, I don't know. I think he's a fine finisher, is is as how I would phrase it to be diplomatic. But I, I never really thought of him as a guy who was going to score thirty thirty five. Tom, did you? Like I saw that for Kreider. I mean, I saw Kreider as a guy who maybe had thirty thirty five goals in a stick. I never really thought you know forty or fifty or anything like outlandish like that. But. Um, you know, and also to be perfectly honest, I never thought we'd see Mika Zibanejad have, you know, what has looked like a forty-goal form, if not for you know the injury he underwent. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Booch, Booch has never struck me as someone who we should be looking to to score thirty-five or thirty goals in a season. Yeah, I think twenty's a good round number from yeah. a year-to-year basis, and solid. Yeah. And obviously, we'll see the rest of the season and see um, how things balance out. But t- twenty goals, like, and I, again, it's it's hard at times because you look at the talent on the team. But so we're at forty-five games played, and he has um, seven goals. So it's eighty-two minus forty-five. So it's thirty-seven games left to score 13 goals if we were to hit that margin. And I don't think that we will. Um, But he's got 25 points in in 45 games. So, I don't know. I think this is the first year of a new contract and the dynamic of the team offensively was different to start the year because it's where were we going to put... Panarin, and we're going to put him on the same line as uh, Zibanejad, but now we're at a point where things have sort of stabilized, and there's also the uncertainty of what happens with Kreider, so I don't know, but I would say, to so that we can sort of um, move on to the next question, 20 would be a good mark, and let's see how the rest of the season goes so that we can sort of see if he's just unlucky or he's not a good finisher. Next question from Chris. Hey, Mike and Tom. 
Given his breakout season, what's a realistic expectation of what D'Angelo's next contract would look like if the Rangers re-sign him? What player's contract might you look for in comparison? Oh god, I'm scared to look. Is, is my first thought is oh boy the thing is with defensemen in particular um, when guys start scoring goals Tom and they're right handed <laughs> it's it is a combination that equals you know it's a simple equation it's you're right handed plus you score goals equals several large bags of money and term um, gosh it's hard to say off the top of my head though some other like contracts to look to this is a story that i've been meaning to look at because you know say what you will about everything else going on with d'angelo um you know and for instance how spicy he was against uh, the islanders where he just kind kind of got you know wrestled around by johnston which by the way why was johnston allowed to punch him in the face with his glove on yeah repeatedly like- too yeah, that in, in, in the Blues game, um, D'Angelo was. I'm trying to think who it was. Oh, he was he was trying to fight someone. It was oh, what was who was it? I'm trying to think now. But basically, I almost tweeted it at the time. But it was someone who had. Oh, it was I think it was Vince Dunn. Like it was someone who was clearly bigger yeah. than him, and it was like this is not going to end well for you. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was out of, out of, uh, out of the ordinary. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think like, I mean, Rasmus Anderson just signed a deal with the flames. That's true. Rasmus Anderson did just sign a deal, didn't he? 4.55. And he has less offensive upside, um, than D'Angelo. I could see D'Angelo's contract starting with a five. Oh, definitely. Um, Starting with a five, I could see it somewhere between starts. five and six. Yeah, and that's the thing here is, you know what, Tom? It's almost like buying out Shattenkirk and taking six million in dead cap space may not have been... Pretty fucking stupid. Oh, yeah, well, geez, Louise. That's one way to put it, yeah. Um, like, you and I in particular, I know, because I remember you were filling in for Joe that week and we went on a long sad you know commiserate commiseration about how short-sighted that seemed to be and uh gosh looking at looking at that situation now and looking at the season d'angelo has had it's uh, if jeff gordon isn't rubbing his temples he should be right it's it's going to be a problem um but you know like looking at a couple you know a couple other contracts out there the thing to remember is Guys are only getting paid more and more, um, and you know it's important to look at those most recent contracts that have gone out there. Like, and I think falling between five and six a year is a reasonable estimation. I, you know, thinking, you know, Provorov, he was very young when he signed, but uh, you know, he came in. And he again, he's a lefty, uh, left-handed D, by the way. But he came in at six point seven five. Um, you know, obviously Anderson, as Tom mentioned. Um, so yeah, it's this could be a contract that you know, let, let's just say for, you know, hypothetically, Tom, let's say it's like five seven five or five point five over five years. 
like that's a, a considerable contract to have for a team that has Truba and has Adam Fox and then has really good right-handed defensive prospects like Joey Keane, right? Yeah. I don't know why people don't make a bigger deal of this one. This one seems like it's a... I would file this under... This is a significant thing that the Rangers have brewing here. Yeah, and you are very... um, you're You're very spot on with that. And it just so happens that that's our very next question. Given ah. the organ, given the organizational depth, are we nearing a decision point with D'Angelo with Truba, Fox, Keen, Lundqvist here or arriving? What type of return might make sense for D'Angelo at the deadline? Ooh, I mean, with the way he's playing, you better be getting a first in a and a prospect and a good prospect at this rate. Because, you know, he obviously has arbitration rights and that might make some teams go like, eh, but he is a first unit power play quarterback. He is an ex- he is an elite guy when it comes to getting the puck out of his zone with control of the puck um, on a really kind of piecemeal blue line. He's proven to be incredibly productive. He's looking like a 60 point defenseman. This season, so and more importantly, he's scoring goals, which only adds to his value. The thing is, I'm. All that being said, it would be really weird for the Rangers to move on from him when they spent so much time and went through so much to develop him and get him to be the player that he is now. Like. I think D'Angelo was one of the guys who has responded very well to David Quinn's style of coaching to some extent, or at least his, I should say more specifically, his style of managing the locker room and his players. Like, uh, I think D'Angelo is a guy who's come to understand, like, when I make a mistake, I have to own up to it in terms of what he does on the ice, I should specify, but, um, cause he, big disclaimer. Yeah. Well, he enjoys the Twitter time. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but you know what is something we should point out, Tom, is, uh, you know, it was a two year deal for, for Neil Pionk, uh, at 3 million a year for the bridge deal he signed, of course. And, you know, looking at some other guys, you know, with, with where they signed and in the cap hits and, or, you know, Cap it is really just my shorthand way of saying the average annual value of your contract. But, of course, it doesn't really matter for fitting a contract under the cap at the end of the day. All that really matters is, you know, what's the money? Um, but, like, a 32-year-old Anton Schralman in the offseason, Tom, got a three-year deal worth $5.5 million. Are you trying to tell me Tony D'Angelo is not going to get more than that? Yeah. I think D'Angelo is going to get paid regardless. Um, it it here's how it comes down to me: if the Rangers, if the Rangers want D'Angelo, they're going to pay him. And I don't think. And and again, it's it's hard to see because they could theoretically go a number of directions. Number one, they could pay him long term and try and sort of dilute the cap hit. So if they say, yeah. "All right, we'll give you six years." Um, at a lesser number. Yeah, six for five, let's say they do. 
Yeah, if they do something like that because they say, you know, Tony, this is like the first year that you're really showing your potential to its fullest, um, and it's we're going to bet on you, and you know what we're trying to build here. But And that might be attractive to a guy like him who's bounced around um, and, frankly, has had his NHL future, you know, even as recently as last season, be you know, kind of questioned about whether or not he could be here based on all these, uh, all these other things going on. So you could say to him, maybe at the negotiating table, like, Hey kid, we'll keep you long term, but here's, it's going to be this. We know what you're worth, but it's going to be this. Um, the problem is he does have those, uh, those pesky arbitration rights time. Yeah. And the other alternative is if they are not quite sure yet, they say, all right, Tony, we want to keep you around for one more year and in order to make this worth your while, um, we're going to, and sort of like what other teams have done with restricted free agents, where they set up the contract so that the the qualifying offer is higher. So if they said, all right, you know, Tony, we're going to give you, you know, a one-year deal at, you know, $5.75 million. So, um we're paying you for your production or whatever because we feel that in arbitration you might, you know, get a number. But if we're at this position next year, you're in a, a position of strength, whether it's with us or another team. So theoretically, they keep him. Adam Fox proves to be even better next year. And Truba bounces back and they no longer have a need for D'Angelo. Um, but they haven't, you know, completely, you know, messed him up with him trying to land, um, a good contract. But then obviously, then the alternative is if they don't go down that, that route, then it's, it's trading him for a high return because they're afraid that he's going to get, uh, or push for a lot of money this this offseason. But, but to answer the question, um, a return that would make sense, definitely a first-round pick you have and to start there. a forward it prospect. to be a first, right? Yeah. And I do love the idea. That is a good point, by the way, Tom, that it should be a forward prospect and a good one. Because I think you'd say to yourself, all right, well, we're dealing from a position of strength, essentially, from the right side of the defense and like, well, what's the position of weakness? I would guess would be a forward prospect, you know, something to bolster that core and add another dimension there. Cause as we said with CJ, um, CJ Totoro on our, on our flagship shows, I want as many magic beans as possible when it comes to those prospects. And I don't feel like the Rangers have enough there in the forwards. Yeah. And, and, that's something that they will have to address and maybe that's something that they'll be able to do at the trade deadline with the the number of assets that they have um next question comes from alex khalifa do you like the current all-star game format i'll let you answer this one first because i have extended thoughts on this matter i want the young stars game back and i want Just more women's hockey in the All-Star Game weekend in a meaningful way. I think the three-on-three tournament's fun for women's hockey. Um, the current landscape of women's hockey makes a collaboration between the NWHL and PWHPA impossible. 
Um, I want a lot of things to change about the All-Star game, specific to the NHL. I think it is ridiculous that you spend veteran players, especially a guy like Tuka Rask, who's like, I want to spend time with my family, and we had a really long season last season because obviously the Bruins went to the cup final. He's like, I want to get all the rest I can and spend time with my family. And the NHL's policy is, fuck yourself, Tuka Rask, you're suspended for a game. Like, it's like... Maybe shouldn't it be after a guy reaches, I don't know, a certain age or after he's appeared in an all-star game, it shouldn't be this thing where you're punished for not wanting to go. Especially, like, the hockey season is so long and it's such a physical sport and the guys are banged up. I think, I don't know, I'd almost prefer just just the Young Stars game and, like, fun women's hockey stuff going on with skills competition and three-on-three tournament. Or the whole thing should just be... I don't know. I feel like it, it needs an overhaul to me, Tom. I feel like they keep doing all these minor tweaks and it's just not enough. But I was looking at... Do you remember the Young Stars game, by the way? I don't. Yeah, you might be too young to remember the Young Stars game. But it was fun. It was when all the young guys... Like, if you're a rookie or you're second year pro... or Like, if you're 23 or younger or something but you're not quite an all-star, he would play in the Young Stars game. And it's like this look at the future of the NHL. And I guess the case against it would be like, yeah, but a lot of the best and brightest stars are between 18 and 21 right now, which I get. But I don't know. Wouldn't it be fun to watch, like, Adam Fox, you know, play with a bunch of other young guys that are also really good and promising? I don't know. So my thoughts on this is... You revamp All-Star Weekend altogether. You make it into a really big spectacle, and you just try and go over the top. My thought is the Winter Classic and the Skills Competition becomes outdoors. You find an, you, you sort of like Winter Classic Phi, Stadium Series Phi, whatever you want to pick as your terminology, and you bring that to All-Star Weekend. Now, how do we get the players for All-Star Weekend? Well, I agree with your point of having some form of Young Stars game. I agree with having you know women's hockey players represented. Um, ideally, you would have as many players as possible and you get rid of the fan voting for captains. You literally just get to vote up to however players are going to be on a roster. You literally can type in the names of all the players that you want and it's whoever gets the most votes. It doesn't matter. Um, I don't care if every team is represented because frankly, there are some teams with, you know, Maybe you don't deserve to be an all-star, and it's really about... Yeah, um, I also hate that rule. Sometimes yeah. your team doesn't have an all-star, folks. And the way around that is that they may not be an all-star who participates in the all-star game, but you have... Specialists. I, Give me specialists in the skills yeah. competition. Exactly. Like NBA All-Star Weekend, you don't have the best player who made the all-star team participate in the dunk contest or the three, or the point three points you get yeah. the best three point shooters in the three point contests exactly so that's for... what i want i want heavy sh- i want the biggest heaviest shots mm-hmm. and then i want just speed demons i don't care mm-hmm. if 
I don't care how many goals they have. I don't care how many points they have. Can they keep up with Connor McDavid? Then get him out there and get racing. Like, let's do that. That's so yeah. much more fun. Like Carl Hagelin, he would never be an all-star, but he would race Connor McDavid. Also, they should have a thing where they just make a, like, make a bunch of cardboard bricks and you have to skate the full length of the ice and smash through it and that's what we'll do Kreider. That'll be his event. And then the last element of it would be is that um, you choose the team's pond hockey style. So you have all of the players who are voted in. You have some sort of way that you get to four captains. And then it's literally everyone throw their stick, stick into in the, the ice. Yeah. And you just, that's your teams. And, and then that's pick, the way you go. Yeah, you pick like Brent Burns' kid. And he sits down, uh, reaches behind him and separates the sticks into piles. Hell yeah, that's so much better already. So yeah, that's how I think you make the um, the All Star Game better. And before we get to the um, the last sequence of questions, we have uh, to pause for an ad break. This yeah. is something new. So yeah, so uh, here you go. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Thank you very much for uh, listening to that sponsor spot. Hopefully it was something that uh, tickles your fancy. And the uh, next question is would, from Dan Carosi. Would you re-sign any of D'Angelo, Kreider, Strom, and or Faust? Why or why not? Um, did we answer this question last week? I feel like we did. Yeah, but so we can go on. It's a topic at least. Yeah, so in short order... Um, I wouldn't re-sign Kreider. I wouldn't re-sign Strom. I say I, yes to Strom for one year. Because I'm fucking crazy like a fox town. I would try and re-sign Faust as long as he's not looking for like a Jay Beagle contract, which was uh, four years at $3 million per for $12 million. Yeah, you can't give him a role player glorified. Like a... Like yeah. He, you can't give him a contract that says we love you. You have to give him... If you keep Jesper Foster on, you have to give him a contract that says, listen, you're a valuable player on a good team or a great team, but we're not that. So you can't afford to pay him what some teams might. He's a Jesper Foster is a guy that you sh- should be able to develop. Like I love Jesper Foster, but... Every team has a guy like Jesper Fass or a guy they like to think is as good as Jesper Fass. They should really put it that way. And I don't want to see Quickie go, Tom. I love Quickie, but come on. Yeah. And then the last of that, um, D'Angelo, um, it depends on... Uh, he's the worth signing. The short answer is yes for me, but the long answer I think we've already covered, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. 
So then we have two people that are sort of asking these the same question. So the first one was from Panera in 2020. So given the information that came out about shopping Gorgiev, how imminent do you believe a trade is? Is there a chance we see Bracco for Gorgiev in the near future? And then um, from Casey, if the Maple Leafs make Janssen or Kapanen available in a Gorgiev trade, assuming they would want more than Bracco, which player would you rather have and why? So Adam wrote a story about this recently, sort of just looking at Gorgiev and the type of return he could get. Um, I know that there's a lot of hype around sort of Jeremy Bracco and my gut feeling is, and maybe this is part of my thinking, is what we've seen from the trades we've made with Tampa and sort of getting not their top-tier prospect, not even their second-tier prospect, but sort of their third-tier prospect. Um, there's a reason why they traded those players, and I get that in, in a goalie swap, you're not going to get like a bona fide top-end prospect for what's been a you know tandem starter um really good backup but i feel that if if brocco was someone who was um gonna be an impact player and, and i get that he's had a lot of success at the ahl level that toronto would have given him more of a look by now and i know a couple of you know maple leaf people that i follow are not so high on brocco um he's from new york tom yeah, I mean, he is, and so is like Kevin LeBanc, someone who Adam had brought up um, if he, the Rangers look to trade with the Sharks. But to answer the question, if between Janssen or Kapanen, I would pick uh, Kasperi Kapanen. First off, he's a right-handed shot. The Rangers could use more right-handed shots. He has uh, he's a really good skater, and he's, he's fast. Um, and I, I think he would be a better overall fit, although Janssen has played well too, but Kapanen's my pick. Yeah, when in doubt, I go for the guy who has speed. Um, I know it's also been mentioned like uh, Engvall, and I don't think the Rangers will be able to pry him away, but uh, here's a fun little fact for you, Tom. You ready for this one? Sure. Kapanen has more 5-on-5 points than John Tavares. Really? Yeah. I'll take Kasperi Kapanen. Take him to the bank. And our last question from a Hey Shay. Oh, that's Shayna. Oh, Shayna. For NYR's upcoming matchups, which writers should be should fans be following? Oh, uh, well, it's the Islanders and the Blue Jackets. I think the Blue Jackets goes to that saying, if you're not following following Allison Lucan, you're fucking up. You just, I'm sorry, folks, you're fucking up if you don't follow Allison Lucan. Um, uh, Portsline's also pretty good. Anyone else from CBJ you like, Tom? could follow our friends, you know, at SB Nation. Um, what is it? It's Pale Dragon. I think the site manager for um, the can, yeah, yeah. Those are all and good the, good falls for the CBJ, which is a fun team. Uh, Tortorella's doing a hell of a job this year. He is when he's not getting fined, and he, I feel bad because it's like he's like an easy target at this point. He is an easy target, but 
I don't know. He makes himself to be an easy target, but I'll tell you what, Tom. And I never thought I'd say this. There are times I miss that Tortorella. Oh, I miss him all the time. I miss um, him. And I was a guy who was just like, I was very just like, Jesus Christ, Torts. Just keep your mouth shut and behave yourself. But Shut your yap. <laughs> but I, uh, I'm, I don't miss Elaine Vigneault, and I don't think I ever will. But I do miss that Torts. You got it, Brooksy? Shut your yap. Shut your yap. Uh, yeah. Islanders, though. Um... Oh, Islanders, I would say... Uh, was it Haber Metrics? Yeah, Haber Metrics, Corey Haber. Um, he's a great follow. Um, and uh, Lighthouse Hockey is the SB Nation. What is it, Dan, who's at Culture of Losing on Twitter. Um, he's a, he's good. Dominic is, I think, the site manager. And, and, uh, and Dan is kind of like... If Dominic is Joe, Dan would be me. I think he's the right-hand man, but, but I could be... Sadly mistaken. I haven't chatted with those guys in a while. But yeah. yeah there's someone some else that I am trying to think of for the Islanders. Well, who's, um, do you have a favorite Islanders beat? Hmm. I can't say off the top of my head. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm scrolling through because I'll find the name once it shows up uh, oh yeah so for another islanders person uh his name is josh and it's at garrick 16 oh um, of course yeah josh is great i've also met him he's a big star wars fan he is reads a lot of books yeah very smart guy uh very nice guy uh was able to meet him in the city um I, i'm glad you mentioned josh i would have beaten myself up if we didn't mention him um but he's also part of the uh the hockey graphs community he's a great guy um very 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 smart uh one of those guys who frequently says things that i just look around at hockey graphs and like why am i here uh, i feel like a kid that got into an advanced math class that is still doing flashcards at home but um <laughs> i would definitely recommend josh you know who uh i've always liked andrew gross and he's oh yeah that i forgot that's yeah. that's a good call He's on the Islanders beat for uh, for Newsday now, and uh, I really, really liked Andrew Gross when he was covering the Rangers. Um, so he was on the Rangers, then the Devils, and then that's now right. the Islanders. Yeah, he bounced around uh, a little bit there, but yeah, he was um, not someone I know personally, but I've always really enjoyed his work. I always liked uh, you know the way he's covered covered the game, um, and I think he does you know one of those guys that. You, I kept following him after he was no longer a Rangers beat reporter just because I liked I liked the way he writes. Uh, I think he does a good job. So that is all the questions that we have for this week. Um, thank you as always for everyone who sends them in, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on the, the Patreon. Um, if you're not subscribed, you know, every little bit helps. Um, we do greatly appreciate it. Um, you know, we love your, your feedback as always. And we try to, you know, make this show nice and, and, and lively for you. Um, Mike, any uh, parting words for our listeners? All right, Tom. You can only choose one set of Ninja Turtles weapons, and it's you're fighting me to the death. Whose weapons do you choose? But here's the here's the catch: you can't choose Leonardo's swords. Hmm. 
Any reason why I can't choose them is like... Because they're overpowered. Obviously you choose two fucking swords. The other guys all have dumb weapons. Raphael has the size. Donatello has just like the long spear but doesn't have a pointy thing. The staff. And then of course Mikey Michelangelo has the nunchaku. The nunchucks. I gotta go with the nunchucks. It's a terrible answer. I'm gonna devastate you. But I get two. Doesn't matter, you get two. So what do you pick, then? Why would I tell you, Tom? Let's fight to the death. <laughs> well, you asked me a question. Are you I not going to answer? I'm taking the I'm taking the spear. I'm taking the, the, the pole. I'm going to have the... I already have the reach over you, but I'm going to use Donatello's pole. I'm going to sweep your legs out. You're going to you're gonna be on your back where you can't use your little nunchaku. I'm going to just... just going to smother you to death, Tom. It seems like you've given this a lot of thought. I think about this all... This is all I ever think about. <laughs> Why don't you think about survival scenarios where you're suddenly a ninja turtle? What's wrong with you? I don't know. I, I don't... Uh... Like, I can understand the size, Raphael's size. I just don't think they're a very good weapon. And with that, that's our podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Turtle power.